Open your Bibles to Mark chapter 6. Mark 6. We started off the year, we ended last year, started off this year. A prayer that uh, many of us are familiar with, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. Right? And we've seen that that applied to those of us who are following Jesus. Right? That, that we would be following him so closely that uh, if we were following him on a dusty road, we would be following him so closely that we would literally get covered in his dust, right? And we saw that the basis of this in context of the culture was a rabbi and a student or a Talmud. When, when a Talmud was called to come follow me by a rabbi, he would follow the rabbi wherever the rabbi went, right? It wasn't just a scholastic relationship. It was a life relationship, the Talmud, the student, didn't want to just learn stuff from the rabbi. The, 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 the Talmud, the student, wanted to be the rabbi in all aspects, mannerisms, voice, habits, everything. And we've been looking at, as we launch into 2018, what does that mean for us? Figuratively, to follow Jesus so closely in 2018 that we would be covered in his dust, that we would be covered in his dust. And, and that's our prayer. That's our heart here is that uh, we would come alongside everybody and help them become passionate followers of Jesus, right? And in Mark 6, there's a story uh, that uh, leads off a very, very famous miracle, right, where Jesus feeds the 5,000, very, very famous uh, miracle in the Gospels, uh, but the beginning part of Mark 6, uh, Mark 6, actually uh, verse 30, the beginning part of this miracle is often overlooked, is often overlooked. And, and we're going to actually start in Mark 6, verse 30, because uh, this week and maybe in the next week or so, if we're going to follow Jesus so closely, right, uh, we need to kind of understand what his heart was in, in all the different aspects, in all the different aspects. So, so as we journey through the Gospels uh, today and, and into the next few weeks, here, here's maybe the, to help you frame it a little bit so it's not so academic, right? Sometimes in church we, we speak at you and it becomes very academic. Here's what I want you to envision, right? We're followers of Jesus, so we're with him. We're with him. And, and there's going to be a, a story here. And, and what I would want you to do is put yourself in the story and just watch Jesus, listen to Jesus with the desire to be like who? Jesus, right? So let's not let's kind of try to lose the, the academic aspect of this. Let's be followers of Jesus into the story with the desire to be like him, right? To be covered in his dust. So Mark 30 says the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place. And get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. So in verse 30, right, the disciples or gather around the apostles. They're giving all these, hey, I got to share this. Look, look what happened. Right? They're sharing all these incredible reports. And, 
and there was so much ministry going on that they were just busy. In fact, look at what does it say in verse 31? They were so busy, they didn't have a chance to eat, right? And Jesus, out of concern, right, says, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So I just want to encourage you, ministry should not be a place of burnout. Even Jesus says, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Okay, sometimes even in ministry, we feel like, oh, I got to burn out for Jesus. No, it's okay. It's okay, right? So Jesus says, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. Right? So they think they got this great plan. All right. Get in the boat. Let's go. This is the Sea of Galilee. So people are like, where are they going? I know. Right? Hey, they're going over there. I bet they're going over there. So all these people go running. They go running. Right? Now, we're in the story, right? Look at the story. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things, right? So everyone's tired. Lots of ministry. They're hungry. Like, hey, Jesus says we're going to go get away from it all. Little weekend away, right? Little little time away. Anyone ever have a moment where you, you plan to get away? And you make all the plans, and you're looking forward to it, and it just doesn't go like you thought. Anyone ever have one of those moments, right? It's, you're looking forward to it. There's delays at the airport. The hotel doesn't even know you exist, right? But you had all these expectations built up, and it didn't really turn out. That's what's happening here, right? So they're, they're trying to get away just to eat and rest. All these people figure out where they're going. They run. And it says, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, so this was a lot of people, he had compassion on them. Now, we're going to look at compassion, specifically Jesus, and what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus, and what is biblical compassion? We know in the Old Testament that God is a compassionate God. Exodus 34, verse 5 and 6 says, Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord. The compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Joel 2.13, rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. He relents from sending calamity. We also know that Jesus was compassionate. There was two blind men, right? In Matthew 20.34, says Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes immediately they received their sight and followed him there was a leper that came to Jesus in Mark 1 a man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees if you are willing you can make me clean filled with what compassion Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man i am willing he said be clean immediately the leprosy left him and he was cured right so god is compassionate jesus is filled with compassion, moved with compassion. But what is compassion? Right? What is compassion? I know, Mark, you, you serve with Compassion International, right? Wonderful organization where you can sponsor kids. But what is compassion? Biblical compassion, right? Because if we're going to be like Jesus, who was filled with compassion, moved with compassion, what does it mean to be compassionate, right? Well, well it's interesting that the word that they use 
is, is a pretty powerful word picture. It has, it, the word picture is your guts, your intestines, even your bowels. That, that's, that's the language. That was what they felt in, the, in that culture was the seat of emotions, the seat of who you were. So when it says that they're moved with compassion, it means there's like it's aching on your heart. You are, you are moved in the very core of your being. That's compassion, guts, moved with your guts, moved in your intestines. You're, you're so deeply impacted that it causes you to act to help resolve the situation. That's what it means, compassion. Very powerful, powerful word picture. And, and it would have been powerful to the New Testament believers because that's how they would have understood God felt about them. When was the last time you or I ever felt, maybe even believed that God had that level of compassion for us? For us, right? So compassion is to be moved in your guts to do something, to do something, right? And it says Jesus, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion. He was moved in his deepest being. He was moved because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. It's really interesting. It says because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So we have all these lenses. Each of us probably have our lenses from maybe your job, maybe how you were raised, maybe your experiences with different groups of people, which affect maybe how you see people, right? John 10, 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd laid down, lays down his life for the sheep. So Jesus, the good shepherd, looks on this large crowd through good shepherd eyes, and what does he say? Man, they're like sheep without a shepherd. Now, that phrase is actually from the Old Testament, Numbers 27, 15 through 17, says, Moses said to the Lord, may the Lord, the God of the spirits of all mankind, appoint a man over this community to go out and come in before them, one who will lead them out and bring them in. So the Lord's people will not be like sheep without a shepherd. In the context of that, it's talking about leadership. People wouldn't be leaderless, right? So Jesus looks at them. He's moved with compassion because... Sheep without a shepherd are in a bad place, right? They're vulnerable. They, sheep tend to wander. They need a shepherd, right? They need a shepherd. So Jesus, large crowd shows up. Large crowd shows up. Jesus is moved with compassion because he sees them as sheep without a shepherd, okay? Now, let me get a little bit real. We're in the boat with Jesus, I'm hungry, you're hungry, Scott's very hungry, right? And Dave gets very grouchy when he's hungry, okay? So we're all in the boat. We think, we have this expectation that we're going to get some R&R. So we get in the boat, Jesus says we get some rest. We land, Jesus is moved with compassion for all these people. Moment of moment of honesty here how would you feel you're tired you're hungry you had this expectation of r&r and just kicking back and celebrating and all these people show up needing to be healed wanting to be with jesus because he was doing all kinds of miracles little little moment just how would you honestly honestly how would we have felt? And, and I thought about this, and, and, and 
I just sometimes I, I think as I'm prepping these words just come to my mind. So there's compassion. Here's a list. Maybe you'd have been critical, inclined to find fault, condemning or condescending, cynical, which means distrustful, showing contempt, callous, insensitive, indifferent. I was thinking about this and having the compassion of Jesus. And then I applied this story to my own life and times when I'm tired and busy and worn out. Eileen, you can put that back up. I wonder how many times in my life, just driving through town, I would like to say that that word at the top, underlined word, just, I just live there. I just exude compassion. I just, it's just oozing. But no, depending on how hungry and tired I am, I'm usually one of the other four. Right? It's kind of a check. It's kind of a check for us. See people, things on the news. What's your general compassion level this morning when it comes to those not like you? who come, those that aren't believers, those that always seem to want something from you, need something, right? Jesus says, hey, come follow me. And we're following this morning. And we had all these expectations about R&R. He has compassion. We're critical, condemning condescending, cynical, and pretty callous. Right? It's, it's, it's a moment. It's been a powerful check. It's been a powerful check. There was this a quote written by a, a, a teenager, teenage girl. She says, I've been thinking much this year about the importance of caring, of the passion of life. I've often realized it takes courage to care. Caring is dangerous. It leaves you open to hurt and to looking like a fool. And perhaps it's because they have been hurt so often that people are afraid to care. I have found many places in my own life where I keep a secret store of indifference as a sort of self-protection. Wow. Right? So we want to follow Jesus. We really do. And yet... This challenge of compassion, right? Lord, we, we need your help in that. We need to see people through your eyes, not through our experiences, not through our filter, not through our lenses, but we want to see people through your eyes. We want to we see them as sheep without a shepherd, Right? I encourage you, maybe a wonderful exercise one of these days, if you have time, just go down and go down to the uh, main road here, maybe park your car at the park, Libby, and just sit there. Just sit there. Find a nice place and just watch. Just watch the people. And ask God to show you what he sees. Ask God to show you his heart of compassion for this city. Right? Because oftentimes, I don't know about you, 
You know, for 60 or 7 years, I had my route to the Wesleyan Church. I knew how to get there. Fastest way. And in six months, I found my route here. Right? And I can, I can zip through town pretty quick and be pretty callous and, and indifferent to the town. Because I'm on my agenda. I got to get somewhere. Right? How many times have we really just stopped and we allow the compassion... How many times have we allowed ourselves to be moved in our deepest being when we see people that need to know who? The good shepherd. Amen? That, their their state without Jesus, if you ponder that, just, just ponder that, right? We celebrated Tony's life yesterday. And why was it such a celebration? Because she knew the good shepherd. She knew the good shepherd. So in that hope and confidence of where she is today, there was joy, right? And, 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 and this compassion in us. Sometimes it's just the discipline of sitting still long enough to allow God to begin to change our habits of thinking, our ways of seeing, our ways of seeing, right? That's why sometimes I encourage you, you know, I'm guessing many of you, how many of you habitually have a way to turn out the driveway? How many of you go left? Just habitually, you go left. How many of you go right? Right? I encourage you. Flip it today. Flip it. You might just see something new. You might get lost if you've been here, okay, or any year on your own. You lived here for 50 years. You get lost going the other way. You're, right? Google, Google map your home. So go the other way. Shake it up a little bit. And in the newness of going another way, ask God to give you new vision. Ask God to give you his vision for the people around you, for your neighbors. For your neighbors, those that are like sheep without the shepherd. Those that are like sheep without the shepherd. Right? And... and we're all busy, I understand that, but, but if we're going to fulfill our vision to come alongside people, to help them be passionate followers of Jesus, at the root of that, guys, is a heart of compassion. It's a heart of compassion. And we're going to come up with demanding people, people who mess up our expectations, our, our grand plans, because they need to know Jesus. They need to know Jesus. Right? And in the story... Look what it says. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And then this is very interesting. So he began teaching them many things, right? So Jesus says, hey, I, I moved. They're like sheep without a shepherd. And, and he begins teaching. Now Luke 11b, 911b says he welcomed them. And spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Right? So it's really interesting. Jesus is moved with compassion. But what he's focused on when he says they're like sheep without a shepherd and he starts teaching, Jesus is focused on their real need. Their real need. Now in ministry sometimes there's this phrase we call real need versus felt need. Real needs versus felt need. And, and the real need people have is to know Jesus. Amen? That is the real need, right? 
There are felt needs, right? Compassion does include coming alongside those who genuinely need help. Okay, there are those in this, on this planet that genuinely need help, right? Because of circumstances and experiences, they just need help. But here's what I love about Jesus when he says he had compassion and then he began to teach. He makes it clear that, that being compassionate is not just emotionalism. It's not just all sugary and syrupy and, oh, I'm led by my, my feelings and here you go, here you go, here you go. No, no, no. Jesus makes an honest assessment. Hey, they're like sheep without a shepherd. I better teach them so I can meet their real need, right? It's what we call informed compassion. Informed compassion. Because sometimes, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Sometimes, like I said, there are people that genuinely need help, and we should come alongside them. Other times, there are people who need to be helped to make right choices in their life. And the consequences of their decisions and their life circumstances really are the result of their conscious choices. And they could make other choices to get out of that situation. It's not being not compassionate to come alongside someone and say, hey, let me, let me help you make some right choices in your life, some godly choices, some biblical choices, right? Because they have that ability. You're still being compassionate. You're still being compassionate when you come alongside and you what? Speak the truth in love. That's being compassionate is to speak the truth in love. Tim Keller says, love without truth is sentimentality. It supports and affirms us but keeps us in denial about our flaws. Truth without love is harshness. It gives us information but in such a way that we cannot really hear it. God's saving love in Christ, however, is marked by both radical truthfulness about who we are and yet also radical, unconditional commitment to us. Right? Truth and love. Truth and love. They're both part of compassion. So sometimes you're going to come alongside someone that genuinely has a need and you're going to just bless them, take care of them. Other times you're still with compassion going to come alongside them and you're going to speak the truth in love. You're going you're gonna to lay it out to them with compassion, with compassion. Turn to John 6. This is what Jesus, and, and I love Jesus because he was very truthful. John 6, right? John is describing the feeding of the 5,000, right? So in John 6, Jesus has fed the 5,000, okay? Jesus had fed, has fed the 5,000. He leaves, John 6, 25, he says this. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. You are looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. What does that mean? It means this. Jesus feeds 5,000. Incredible miracle. He goes the other side. They follow him. He's like, he calls them out. He says, hey, you know why you're here? Because I fed you. Those signs and the feeding, it's supposed to point, point you to me. 
as Messiah. But the only reason you're here, honestly, is because you're getting something from me. It's the only reason you're here. He kind of calls them out. He wants to deal with their real need, and they're just motivated by felt need. And this is, this is where you've got to be real careful, because people have expectations about churches. And that churches are supposed to meet felt needs, felt needs, felt needs, right? And I'm not saying we don't do that. We need to have heart of compassion. But as a church, we can never lose sight of people's real need. Amen? Their real need is to know the good shepherd. So they're no longer a sheep without a shepherd, right? So it's interesting. Jesus calls them out. He says, hey, you know why you're here? Because you got some food, right? And then he tries to shift it. He says, okay, let's see how you respond when I get to the real need. So he starts going down to the real need. Look at verse 27. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Suddenly, he says, oh, hey, it's not about this bread that you just got. There's an there's a eternal hint, hint bread, right? He begins to go vertical with them, right? Look at John 6, 35. Skip on down. And then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. Right? So suddenly he gets, he's, he's, he's going, he's going all in now. I'm the bread of life. I'm the bread of life. He's going full real need. He's going full vertical here. I'm the bread of life. I fed you some bread miraculously, but really, what you really need is the bread of life. Me. Right? Look at their response. John 6:60. On hearing it, many of the disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And then finally in verse 66, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Wow. Wow. So Jesus feeds 5,000. He meets this felt need. They come following him. He says, hey, it's more than the, more than the physical bread. It's about knowing me. I'm the bread of life. And the response is heartbreaking. They walk out and they leave. And I got to tell you, honestly, that's not uncommon in ministry even, in churches, where we'll come alongside and it's fine. We, we want to come alongside and, and help people out of compassion. But there comes a point where it gets very interesting when we try to get to the real need. And it hasn't been uncommon in 27 years of doing this that the same thing happens. They actually leave. They actually leave. Because we were no longer focused on the felt need. We, we know what the real need is, and, and that's fine. We can, for a time, come alongside and balance out felt need, real need, felt need, real need. But as a church, when we focus on the real need, at a certain point, people have to make a decision about their motive for coming about their motive for coming. doesn't mean we're not compassionate. doesn't mean we're not compassionate. We're still compassionate. In fact, we're so compassionate that we understand if all we do is meet your felt need and never, ever try to meet your real need, what good does that do? In the end, you're still eternally separated from God without your real need being met. And so there's always this tension. People in the church, they want to try, sometimes... It, 
it's not as easy as just a bunch of boxes and put people in boxes, right? And have all these sort of policies that, well, we don't do this and we do this and who. Now, here's, here's the thing. When you genuinely want to come alongside people in their life, in the messiness of life, and help them come alongside to passionately follow Jesus, here's the thing. There is no quick and easy answer for people. Mm-mm. It takes time. It takes a lot of energy, a lot of sacrifice, a lot of patience. And that, what does that all come out of? Compassion. The Holy Spirit-fueled compassion for people. Right? And it can be tough, though. It can be tough. goes back to those, you know, are we compassionate? Are we cynical, critical? Oh, oh, it's a lot of work. I had a friend, dear, dear friend, years ago, uh, when I was a youth pastor over at Community, I uh, learned of a, of a wonderful missions organization, the Center for Student Missions. They work in Skid Row. And so what they do is you bring your youth group down for a weekend, and you actually live in this apartment you stay in an apartment, and you go about skid row, and, and you understand, you immerse yourself into the homeless world for a weekend. And I had a leader, youth leader, one of my best friends. And uh, he was helping with the youth group, and he wanted nothing to do with that. Nothing. Because his, his, his heart was hardened towards them. Right? He, he had a very, very closed mind about that demographic. And I uh, we went round and round and round, and I said, just do it for me then, because I need your help. I said, okay. So he came down with me as a chaperone, right? And, and uh, on this trip, you, they take you out at night. You, they, you lay down on the parking lot of the Civic Center so you understand what it's like to lay down at night on the asphalt. You, you go into the soup kitchens and... And one of, the, uh, one of the exercises that they do with us is they, they break us up with a student and a leader, and you go, you go find a homeless person on Skid Row, and you actually take them to lunch. You don't give them money for lunch. You invite them to come to lunch, and you sit with them, and you hear their story. Imagine how that went over with my friend. <laughs> so he, he goes through all this. He goes through all this, and we're, we're driving back. We're driving back. And I said, well, he goes, dude, I am completely changed. His callousness had become compassion. Why? Because he learned their story. He learned that they don't all want to be there. He learned their circumstance. He learned their pain. He learned their struggles. And it broke his heart. It broke his heart in the, in the most beautiful way. 48 hours before, this man was pretty callous from his own experiences. In 48 hours, God completely melts that heart and turns it into compassion. Because he got in there with him. It wasn't just from a distance. He got in there with him. And that's compassion. We got to get in there with people. We got to get in there. And sometimes, yeah, sometimes you've got to be careful because sometimes people may want to take advantage of you. you really got to go in the power of the Holy Spirit because sometimes people do work the system, the church system. They will try to work it. 
had a, a mentor, a pastor mentor of mine down in San Diego before we came up here. Was, and he told me a story. He said one time we went to Mexico. And we, were, uh, we went to this little neighborhood. Went to Mexico. And we were handing out shoes. And so he's handing out shoes. And this little girl comes up. And something in him. He understands it was the Holy Spirit. Something checked. It was like this check in him. Like, oh, I don't know. Something's not. Right? Something's not right about this. But he felt sorry for her, so he gave her the shoes anyway. Boom. Right? One of the locals came up to him and said, we don't give them shoes. They're not poor. They come and take the shoes and sell them. The Holy Spirit was trying to direct him and trying to give him, but, you know, he didn't know enough, and he kind of felt bad not giving shoes, but... They were, that ministry was being taken advantage of. And, and so he learned wisdom. He learned you've got to trust the Holy Spirit, even in compassion. You've got to walk in the Spirit. You've got you to walk in truth. Because God knows what's going on in the big picture, right? And, and I love those stories because I believe we, everyone here, cares about the law. Right? I believe that. But sometimes life just gets so busy. Or things just happen. And suddenly, we're just cynical and critical and callous. And I got my own stuff to worry about. And why don't they just, why don't you just get their act together? Right? And there's a check that we all need to do. Say, hey, Lord, where's my heart of compassion? Because Colossians 3.12 says this. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with what? Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I love that verse because if we did this as the church, how many believe that would be an incredible testimony? (laughs) An incredible testimony. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. How many know that's impossible in the flesh? Right? Nope. Not possible. Not, not, not in my flesh. I'm, I'm too busy and I'm too self-centered. My life is too much about me in the flesh to live that, to clothe myself with that. That's a conscious choice I've got to do to walk in the Spirit, to clothe myself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So what's the starting point? If this morning you're like, man... Am I compassionate? Am I compassionate? We're sitting there, right? Jesus is compassionate. He's moved with compassion. He starts teaching them about the kingdom of God. He starts healing them. I'm sitting in the boat, mad because they messed up my R&R and trying to enjoy my peanut butter sandwich. I wish they would go away. They're noisy. I want some rest. I mean, it's amazing if we... The flesh, right? We get into the flesh and suddenly we, could be, we can be sitting here so consumed with self that we're actually angry at Jesus. Why doesn't he just send them away? Right? So how do we, how do we combat this? Right? I have found that if I want a heart of compassion, it goes all the way back to the compassion that was shown me. Isaiah 53, 6. We all, 
like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. It's not even just that we were sheep without a shepherd. We were sheep that didn't even want a shepherd. We didn't even want a shepherd. Each of us has turned to his own way. I'm good. Leave me alone. Right? We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. Yeah, we, we've grown up pretty independent. Anyone here grow up pretty independent, self-reliant, doing it your own way? We've all done that. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. And here's the crazy thing. The compassion of God for us, I, I've been wrestling with that all week. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So I'm a sheep. I don't even want a shepherd. I'm going to go do my own thing, get out of my way. And then the verse, this verse says, the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. What? What? We said that compassion is being moved in your gut to do something. What does it mean to me and to you that God was moved with compassion for you. In fact, he was moved with so much compassion that he sent Jesus. And he laid on him the iniquity of us all. See, I, I, there's a part of me, even though I've been walking with the Lord for 27 years, I still, there's a part of me that, that resists that much love. I don't know what to do with being loved and having that much compassion put on me. I'd much rather people get mad at me. <laughs> I know how to deal with people being mad at me. People loving with so much compassion that they're moved to do something beyond my comprehension for me. <sighs> See, if we can pause long enough to not just hear it, but receive God's supernatural compassion for you, then you just turn around and do that for others. It's not working yourself up. It's not trying to go do something. It's just, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? God had that much compassion on me? Ah, Ah, man, he, I don't know, I just, I just, so I'm at a loss because, again, I process anger and performance and, and everything other than compassion for me. That's maybe the way I was raised, I think, on the stuff I picked up, you know, never good enough, never this, never that, never this, never that, and if you would only, and da, 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 da all of that stuff. Compassion? Compassion? Someone being moved with compassion for me? When I was doing my own thing, someone was moved with compassion. Someone saw me as a sheep without a shepherd and was moved with compassion for me? You know, sometimes people ask, why do you do what you do? Isn't it kind of tough? Isn't it like 24-7, 365? Yeah, yeah. How do you do that? 
Honestly, how do I do this? How do I, I understand this calling? It just really comes from this compassion thing. The compassion that God's he loves us. Amen? Let's pray and then uh, Bill, you can come up. Lord, these large crowds came and you showed compassion and you began teaching them and healing them. And I've read that story and and I wish I could say 100% that I would have been moved with compassion also. There's a part of me that probably would have been annoyed and critical and condemning and callous because I would have been tired and hungry. And then you say in Isaiah 53, 6, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So Lord, as I confess my lack of compassion, I'm reminded this morning of your incredible compassion for me. I don't even understand that. Not only was I a sheep without a shepherd, I didn't even want a shepherd. I was good to go, doing my thing. And yet you had compassion. You had compassion. You were moved for me. You were moved for us. My prayer is, uh, as we prepare for communion, that we would just take time to reflect as a starting point on your compassion for us as revealed even in communion table. And maybe you're here this morning and you've never received God's compassion. He is compassionate for you. In fact, he was so moved with compassion that he sent Jesus. And he laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. That's how compassionate God is for you. The Bible says, We're saved by grace through faith. So if you would receive God's compassion this morning, put your faith in Jesus. Put your faith in Jesus as Savior and Lord. Because that's how deeply moved God was with compassion for you.